Yes, you kids get to bed. I get the storyboard. Y'all tucked in? And that's right. Here we go, everybody. Another edition of Jamal About Sports on a Wednesday. Another Amagansett edition of Jamal About Sports as we have moved out here essentially for the rest of the summer. Very fortunate to do so. That, of course, was my main man, Slick Rick, starting us off with a little bit of a children's story. Big show to get to today. Major League Baseball. Lots of trades happening. The Mets would never know it. We'll talk a little bit about the Knicks, actually, and, and something actually maybe positive to say about the Knicks. And uh, we'll weigh in on the Michael Vick comments regarding Colin Kaepernick. But we start with Major League Baseball. And uh, as the trade deadline looms, about uh, 13 days, I guess, now, until the trade deadline, deals are being made. You had the Nationals in desperate need of bullpen help, trading for Ryan Madsen and Sean Doolittle from the A's. Doolittle, a good lefty specialist. Madsen, a solid setup guy. Um, Still doesn't really address the Nationals' need for a premier closer, but certainly uh, they sent Blake Trine in a way in that trade, who has a good arm and good stuff, but has had an awful, awful year for the Nationals. Um, so that's a classic sort of change of scenery. Again, guy has talent. If you're the A's, you know, doesn't make a lot of money, controllable for the next couple of years, has a power arm, just has not been able to figure it out with the Nationals this year, but had some success for them in the past. So you hope the change of scenery helps him there. And as for the Nationals, again, desperately needed some upgrades there at the back end of the bullpen. Uh, Doolittle, I think, has been perfect in uh, small sample size against left-handed hitters this year. And again, Madsen's a very good 7th slash 8th inning guy. But they still need a closer. Um, But it's a step in the right direction if you're a Nationals fan. The Cubs and the White Sox, crosstown rivals, made a trade. Uh, The Cubs sending one of their highly touted outfield prospects to the White Sox for Jose Quintana, the lefty starter. There were a lot of reports that maybe he would go to the Yankees. Uh, it had a very pedestrian year for the White Sox this year, but, you know, that's a bad team, basically in, in tank and rebuild mode. Um, and uh, But he's had some good years in the past. And, uh, and, of course, his first start for the Cubs, who are now raging hot, by the way, 4-0 going into last night. I'm not sure if they won last night. We'll take a look at that in a second. Um, struck out 12 Orioles uh, in a solid, I think, seven or eight innings in his first start. So good pickup for the Cubs, although they did give up a lot to get them. Uh, And then you have last night's big trade between the Yankees and the White Sox. The Yankees getting back old friend David Robertson as well as Todd Frazier, who, by the way, could he be more overrated? I mean, I understand he has 16 home runs. He's hitting 206, okay, or 216, sorry. Enough with how great Todd Frazier is. He had a great run there uh, for the Reds a couple of years ago. I know he's the Little League World Series hero from Toms River, New Jersey, whatever He's one-dimensional. Yes, he'll be an upgrade over the Drek. The Yankees are trotting out there at first base right now, I guess. Or I guess they could play him at third some days and Headley at first or whatever. Um, but, you know, this is not exactly, uh, you know, this this trade doesn't exactly shore things up for the Yankees and make them a lock to win the division. Helps them. They didn't give up a ton. I know this kid Rutherford is supposedly good. He's at, he's at single A. 
You know, he's supposedly considered a good prospect. He's at single A. So now look, in four years from now, if he turns out to be a stud for the White Sox and Frazier and Robertson do very little, you'll look back on this trade and say, well, the Yankees made a terrible trade. That's the risk. And by the way, David Robertson also, yes, he's better than Tyler Clippard, who I guess is going to the White Sox in this deal. Um, but he's hardly uh, the stud that he used to be. I mean, he's he's very hit or miss these days. And again, uh, you know, there are reports on the Yankees are concerned about a role as Chapman and the fact that his fastball, although it's still the velocity is there, it's not getting a lot of swing and misses. I mean, again, David Robertson, he's all right. I mean, he's fine, but he's hardly anyone's idea of a dominant closer at this point in his career. So we'll see how much that trade helps the Yankees. should help him a little bit in the short term, but again, it's not like it's a slam dunk. And all this goes on while the Mets general manager, Sandy Alderson... Sandy, huh? Huh? What? 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 what, What's that? Hey, Sandy. Sandy. Huh? Huh? What? What? I mean, wake up! This is classic Mets, Sandy Alderson asleep at the wheel. You know, my very measured and careful approach to the trade deadline. Well, Sandy, it's all happening around you now, and you're going to get left out. If you don't actually pick up a phone and call someone. Stop waiting for teams to come to you. You should be on the phone with the Nationals right now as I'm doing this show. You should be on the phone with the Red Sox right now trying to start a bidding war between the two of them for Addison Reed. You could have involved the Yankees in that as well. Except, no. You like to take a measured and careful approach. Sandy, I got news for you. You said this isn't a teardown. This is a teardown. The Mets stink. They got a little bit lucky two years ago in 15 when they made the World Series. Remember, that was a 500 team crawling along with the worst offense you'd ever seen. Then they got Cespedes. Before that, they got Uribe and Kelly Johnson, who at least added some respectability to an otherwise wretched lineup that you constructed, by the way. You being Sandy Alderson. Cespedes got raging hot. Murphy got raging hot in the... In the, in the playoffs. And, you know, listen. Yes, Syndergaard stepped up. DeGrom stepped up. Harvey stepped up. Familia stepped up until the World Series. And they were able to make the World Series. Okay. But that was not exactly a wire-to-wire team. They rode a hot streak late in the season and then got a magical performance from Daniel Murphy in the playoffs to get to the World Series, where all of their flaws were exposed. We talked about it ad nauseum. The fielding, the inability, the bad fielding, I should say, the inability to hit with runners in scoring positions, situational baseball, fundamentals, all the things that have plagued the Mets ever since Sandy Alderson and Terry Collins showed up. And then last year, yeah, I know, they made the playoffs a one-game play-in because they beat up on terrible teams like the Reds and the Phillies down the stretch. I mean, talk about fool's gold. And yet Sandy Alderson did nothing to improve the team in the offseason. 
Nothing. He didn't bring in one significant piece. Not one. And then you've had, yes, the injuries are a part of it. But listen, again, we've talked about it. The Mets' inability to handle injuries properly plays a huge role. And you have to sort of expect that with young pitchers, particularly guys with histories of injuries, that you're going to have some repeat occurrences. So, listen, Sandy, this is a teardown. Your team stinks. It's old and slow. No one knows how to play on this team at all, somehow. The fielding is beyond bad. I mean, last night's game was an embarrassment. Second batter of the game, error on TJ Rivera, who is not a third baseman, by the way. I know he's a nice little story because he's hitting 300 and he was an undrafted free agent. He's a local kid. I get that. More power to him. That's nice. He's not a third baseman. And I don't know if Wilmer Flores is, but he should be out there every day at third to see if he's going to be a third baseman next year. I mean, listen. I understand Wilmer Flores is nobody's idea of the next Brooks Robinson, okay? He's, he's got issues himself, but he's a better overall hitter than T.J. Rivera is, and he's younger, and you need a third baseman. Give up the ghost. David Wright is not coming back, okay? And he should do everybody a favor, by the way, and just retire in the offseason. So this, I, this playing T.J. Rivera at third base every day is a joke, so he was awful last night with two errors. Uh, the Mets didn't turn an easy double play when the pitcher was hitting because Reyes can't get the ball out of his glove. He made two other horrendous throws, one of which he got bailed out on a nice scoop by Lucas Duda, but then Lucas Duda dropped a pop foul later in the game. Plus, Reyes didn't get the tag down uh, on a perfect throw from Rene Rivera, the catcher on a stolen base attempt. He was originally called out, and then the, then the Cardinals challenged the play. And that, and that leads me to my next point here. Replaying baseball has got to go. Got to go. It is ruining the sport. And by the way, I saw this last night on on the post-game show. I can't even watch the Mets anymore. I'm watching Law & Order reruns last night. That's how unwatchable the Mets are right now. As they sleepwalk their way through the rest of the season and give you terrible baseball. So get these guys out of here. Get Granderson out of here. Get Duda out of here. If anybody would take Azdrubal Cabrera, get him out of here. Jay Bruce, I might. You know what? You got to trade him and got to get some something back from him. If you like him, re, you can always re-sign him. He's a free agent. Same thing with Addison Reed. Addison Reed's been nothing but a stand-up guy for the Mets. He's been a very valuable contributor. He's a great setup guy. He's been a pretty good closer this year on an otherwise lousy team. Do what the Yankees did last year with Chapman. Trade him, get some assets, and then re-sign him in the offseason. I'd have no problem with that. And play Conforto in center field every day from now to the rest of the season and see if he can be a competent center fielder. If he's average or slightly above average, guess what? I might re-sign Jay Bruce because guess what? Jay Bruce actually plays. He's not a China doll like everybody else on the Mets. He actually plays every day. And he's proven he can play well here. And he's a stand-up guy. And he's a runaway from the media. I have to say, I know I said this last show, he's been a pleasant surprise. He's been a pleasure to watch.
Now, I understand he's not a perfect player. But, again, there's something to be said for being available to play 150 games a year, particularly on a team where nobody can seem to do that. So, Sandy Olsen, wake up. Start making moves now. I just saw that uh, J.D. Martinez, the outfield from the uh, Tigers, just got traded to the Astros. So there's another potential landing spot for Jay Bruce out the window. And you got to package these guys. You should be on the phone with the, with the Red Sox right now. Listen, the Red Sox are having a nice year. They've, we've talked about this before. They miss Ortiz in that lineup. They don't have a big masher in that lineup. They have a bunch of very good accomplished hitters in that lineup, like Betts and Bogarts and Pedroia and Moreland. But they need a masher. They need a third baseman in the worst way, too. How about this? And this might be a stretch. How about this? You call up the Red Sox. You say, listen, we'll give you Addison Reed. Oh, and the Red Sox need back-of-the-end bullpen help in front of Kimbrell big time. We'll give you Addison Reed. We'll give you Jay Bruce. We'll give you your choice of Wilmer Flores or... T.J. Rivera to play third. The Red Sox have a glaring hole at third base, too. Although I know I just said T.J. Rivera stinks at third, but maybe the Red Sox think they could get away with him. I don't know. And they'll just take his bat. But probably not. They're probably smarter than that. And maybe the Mets throw in one of their you know decent minor league prospects. Could you pry Jackie Bradley Jr. away from the Red Sox? Probably not. Worth a shot, though. Worth asking. And then Jackie Bradley Jr. is your center fielder, and you move Conforto to right, and Cespedes, you know, if he could ever play again, will play left. But this is my point. Sandy needs to be active now. Because if you're going to wait another two weeks, guess what? There's not going to be a market for any of your guys. I mean, I just read that Zach Britton, the stud closer from the Orioles, has been hurt most of the year. The Orioles might make him available. That will lessen Addison Reed's value even more. And teams like the Dodgers, the Dodgers, they don't need anybody. They have the best record in baseball. Now, maybe the Diamondbacks, I'm sorry, the Astros didn't get J.D. Martinez. The Diamondbacks got J.D. Martinez. My bad. But maybe the Diamondbacks are are in the market for an Addison Reed, who, by the way, that's his old team. That's who the Mets got him from. Maybe the Rockies. You know, the Cubs, maybe they're done making their moves, but maybe not. I don't know if the Brewers would be buyers as they're still in first place. But again, these are all places Sandy should be on the phone with. The Red Sox, the Yankees. I mean, listen, I know they just got Todd Frazier. I think Lucas Dude is a much better fit for the Yankees than Todd Frazier. So get cracking, Sandy, enough with your measured, careful approach. So annoying. And I talked about this replay nonsense in baseball. Ron Darling killed it last night. Good for him. Love Ronnie. But the overall sport of baseball, 
I, I mean, it's terrible. It is terrible. I mean, replay could not be more ill-suited for baseball. I mean, the way the pace of the game does not lend itself to replay. And the problem now, and Gary Cohen pointed this out on the telecast last night, is that once you open that Pandora's box, all the evils come out. And so what was originally designed to correct the egregious game-changing call, right, or game, you know, missed call, now you have idiotic things like last night's game. A pretty, you know, inconsequential play, two outs, runner on first, third inning, stolen base, throw beat him by a mile, it's a perfect throw. For 120 years, that guy's it out. That guy's out at second base. And everybody could live with it. Everyone used to live with the fact that the ball beats you, you're out. Even if you somehow manage to avoid the tag. Unless it was ridiculously obvious. Okay? We don't need replay to correct that call. But unfortunately, that's what we have now. Because we have these challenge, uh, you know, managers can challenge it. So they'll challenge everything they can get their hands on. It's ridiculous. You add that to the specialization of the game, then nobody can pit, throw over 100 pitches anymore. And you have 17 pitching changes a game. And you wonder why the pace of play stinks. But home runs are up. And Aaron Judge won the home run derby. <laughs> By the way, you think it's coincidence that Major League Baseball has been losing viewers and young viewers every single year? That all of a sudden now... Home runs are way up in baseball again. Sound familiar to any other time in the recent history of this sport? Post-strike in the 90s? I'm not saying steroids are the result of the extra home runs this year, the way it was in the 90s and early 2000s. But it's not a coincidence. And that all of a sudden, all this, all this attention is being paid to the home run derby? A, non, a nothing nonsense non-event. The sport stinks. It's unwatchable. Listen, I understand the Mets are unwatchable. That, that's certainly probably skewing my point of view here. But I can't. I can't watch. I mean, sometimes I'll. There'll be a game of the week on Major League Baseball. It'll be the Red Sox versus like the Blue Jays. They've been playing. I like both. I like to watch both those teams. I, I can't watch the games anymore. Can't. And then you add in all the annoying stat casts and exit velocity and, um, you know, uh, percentage of, 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 of uh, chance that, that the guy had of making a catch. I mean, now we're inundated with analytics and statistics in-game, not just your, you know, batting average, on-base percentage, slugging percentage, OPS, you know, whip. I mean, I, those numbers all make sense to me. I get that. And, and they're actually indicative of a player's value and their performance. But why would I – do I need to get sponsored by Amazon Web, this, the exit velo, man, yeah, of a home run? Oh, gee, you, oh, it, it, it had a high velocity? Really? That's surprising. That a guy who just hit a ball 400 feet, that the, the ball was hit hard. Wow. I would have never thought that. Thank you for enlightening me. What a joke. Sport stinks. It's unwatchable. 
Old Hoss Radburn would be spinning in his grave right now at the state of what's become a Major League Baseball. Now, as I say that, <laughs> let's take a quick look around the league, shall we? We'll start out with the American League East where, listen, big series for the Yankees against the Red Sox over the weekend. You know, they had the heartbreaking loss where Chapman blew the save. Then they came back and did, you know, sort of got their revenge in that 16-inning game after Chris Sale dominated them for about eight innings. Kimbrell, who was 30 for 30 prior to that, save opportunities at home at Fenway, gives up a home run to Matt Holiday, fresh off the DL. Yankees win that game in extra innings, and they split the day-night doubleheader on Sunday. So the Yankees split four-game series. you got to be happy with that if you're a Yankee fan. Keep them in striking distance. They're only two games, uh, sorry. Yep, two games back in the loss column. Tampa Bay still won't go away. They're actually red hot right now. 7-3 and three in their last 10, 51-44, two games back. And the Red Sox, 4-6 and six in their last 10, haven't played great. Although they won last night. Again, Red Sox have holes. Sandy, get on the phone. And then the Orioles, who have completely just tanked. Talk about them. They're in free fall mode. They have no pitching. And the Blue Jays, again, broken record. Every time I think they're going to turn a corner, they never do. And they're seven games under 500. So they'll probably start selling their assets off, too. By the way, and that's the other thing, Sandy. See, other teams are going to be in sell mode. So like the Blue Jays, for instance, with Kendris Morales, he's going to be competition for Lucas Duda. And Kendris Morales, by the way, has a history of hitting clutch home runs. That guy hits late-inning clutch home runs. In the Central, we have the Indians, who I keep thinking are going to run away with the, the, the division. They, they haven't. The, the Twins keep hanging around. You know, they're one game over 500. Uh, they lost last night to the Yankees. You know, again, the, the, the run differential, minus 66 for the Twins, plus 64 for the Indians, and yet they're only separated by two games in the loss column. And then you have the Royals, who kind of got back in the mix, but now they're 3-7 and seven in their last 10, lost two in a row. They're now two games under 500. That's another team that could be big-time sellers. More competition for the Mets. Tigers stink. White Sox, we know about. Sell mode. Have been all year. And then in the West, you have the Astros who are running away with it at 63-31. and 31. They just got dealt a big blow. Their stud shortstop, Carlos Carrera, Correa, looks like he's going to be on the DL for the next six to eight weeks with a, a strained thumb. By the way, which he originally hurt sliding headfirst into home. One of the dumbest things you can do. Again, this is what I mean, people. I can't watch this stuff anymore. I mean, from all of the nonsense to the just... The, I mean, look, the Mets are the poster children for lack of fundamental play, but it is pervasive throughout the sport. I mean, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, I mean, you never saw a guy slide head, slide head first in a home plate, or very rarely. And it was only if maybe there was no play at the plate and it's sort of a showboat thing. And even then, it's stupid. But you definitely don't slide head first into home plate when the catcher is there trying to block the plate. And that's how he hurt his thumb because he jammed it on the guy's cleat. And then he re-aggravated it the other day on a swing. What does he play for the Mets, by the way? Such a Met thing. Speaking of, is there anything more utterly Met-like than the other night, the way the Mets ended their game against uh, the Cardinals? 6-3, to three, that scrub Brett Cecil on the mound about to give up the game. He walks the first two guys. Cespedes is up. 3-0 count. 
swings a ball for game-ending double play. That's <laughs> so, so Mets. And I'm not, listen, I'm not mad at Cespedes. I'm not mad at him for swinging 3-0. That's fine. He's swinging 3-0. Can't be swinging at a pitch that's, you know, high and outside and then trying to pull it. Anyway, I digress. Uh, the Mariners are kind of in the mix for the wild card at 47-48. and 48. Rangers, 45-48. and 48. So those two teams will be bear some watching. If they decide they want to stay in it, or do they want to be sellers? The Angels are 46-50 and 50 going nowhere fast, and I don't think they have a ton of assets. And the A's, we know, 42 and 52, and they're, they're in sell mode and, and will probably trade at least one or two more guys. National League East, Nationals, we know, running away with the division. The Braves, two games under 500. Uh, I mean, look at, look at the National League East. What a lousy division. The, the, the Nationals have a plus 114 run differential. Everybody else is minus. Braves, minus 39. Marlins, minus 30. Mets, minus 48. Phillies, minus 91. And in the Central, you know, look, the Central looks like it's going to be the only division that could be interesting as far as who's going to win the division. You've got the Brewers at 52-44. and 44. Cubs, as I said, they did win last night, so they won five in a row. They're 48-45. and 45. Looks like they could be getting their, their, their feet back under them. So they're only two and a half out and only one in the loss column. Cardinals now, after they probably sweep the Mets, they'll get back in the mix. They're 46-47. and 47. Uh, the Pirates are 46 and 48. Again, they got to make a decision. They want to try to, to to hang in there or sell. I mean, the, the Pirates probably should be sellers. And the Reds are a non-factor at 39 and 54. And then in the West, you've got the Dodgers who are 65 and 29. I mean, they are just crushing people. Plus 173 run differential. They've won 10 in a row. I mean, everybody in that team hits home runs. They've got great pit. I mean, they, they listen, the Dodgers look amazing right now. The Diamondbacks are 54 and 39. They've come back to the pack, 2 and 8 in their last 10. The Rockies had their little hiccup. They've rebounded nicely, 6 and 4 in their last 10, won three in a row. Those would be your two wildcard teams right now. And then the Padres and the Giants aren't even worth mentioning. That is your look around Major League Baseball. We'll be back with some NBA right after this. back here on another edition, the Amagansett edition of Jamal About Sports. Taking us out of the break there was Punk Rocker by Iggy Pop. Uh, actually, was in a band never heard of called the Teddy Bears featuring Iggy Pop. All right, we are back here and uh, let's talk a little, actually, before we get to, uh, to the Knicks, uh, let's talk a little bit about the Michael Vick, Colin Kaepernick situation. Uh, that unfolded yesterday. So we had Michael Vick on uh, one of those shows on Fox Sports 1. I think it was the one with uh, Jason Whitlock and um, Colin Coward. Um, And Michael Vick, who, you know, infamously uh, went to jail and missed, what, two or three NFL seasons as a result because of his, you know, being heavily involved in dog fighting and and murdering dogs, um, but got his second chance in the NFL somehow. 
Um, Colin Kaepernick can't seem to get a second chance because he knelt during the national anthem. But okay, so maybe an interesting person to interview on the topic, right? Also a black quarterback. Um, you know what Michael Vick did far worse than anything Colin Kaepernick has done. It's not. A, I mean, it's not even actually. I, I feel bad even mentioning it in the same sentence because they, there's there's zero comparison. But okay, they had him on, and Michael Vick's. Uh, you know, basically tried to kind of support Kaepernick, but then he said that, um, you know, Kaepernick wears his hair in a big afro now these days. And Vic said, you know, he should cut his hair to clean up his image. Uh, to which Kaepernick then responded on his, I believe, Instagram and or Twitter uh, by posting the definition of uh, Stockholm Syndrome, which I thought was pretty uh, clever. Um and, you know, it's funny. I remember Michael Vick used to wear his hair in cornrows, uh, which for a time a lot of people associated with gang members, um, that sort of style of hair. Now, listen, I will be the first to admit that um, I, you know, listen, I used to criticize Kaepernick because of his tattoos. And, you know, I, I don't really care how guys wear their hair. I really don't. Um, the beard stuff drives me nuts. I admit it. Uh, all the tattoos everywhere drives me nuts. I admit it, but I certainly wouldn't not, you know, sign a player because of it, or I'm certainly not going to give a guy the benefit of the doubt, sort of question his, who he is as a person. I just personally, aesthetically, I don't like it, right? James Harden's beard drives me crazy. You know, when the Red Sox did their dirt bag routine or their jackass routine or whatever it was, Johnny Damon and the what would Jesus, all that stuff drove, drove me nuts. I just don't like it. It's just me. It's my personal thing. Okay, different strokes for different folks. This isn't the 60s where if you're a long hair man, you're a hippie and, you know, you're a bad dude. Nah, that's not, my, that's not what I'm saying. But it, it seems sad to me that in 2017 you have Michael Vick telling Colin Kaepernick to cut his hair. I mean, is that, is that where we're at now? And can we find some sort of uh, nuance here? with the Colin Kaepernick situation or no? I mean, are we just going to judge this guy based on, you know, a couple of incidents, again, of peaceful and quiet protests? Now, listen, I get it. The socks with the pigs on it and the cop thing, that was bad. Okay? that was, But it was one day. But we're just going to judge him on what supposedly is his worst moment and we're going to ignore all the good the guy does in the world, which we've chronicled here on the show before. Helping homeless guys, giving out suits, sending aid to Africa so countries can get clean water and food, right? Th those things are of no interest to anybody. And again, don't tell me the guy can't play anymore. 16 touchdowns, four interceptions last year. Yes, I know the, the Niners stunk, and I'm not saying he was great, but he's certainly better than a lot of the hacks that have gotten signed in this offseason. But NFL owners don't want the headache, I guess. Now, if Colin Kaepernick was a, a, an all-pro quarterback still, still considered to be, you know, if this was the Colin Kaepernick of 2012 that got to the Super Bowl with the 49ers and Jim Harbaugh, you're damn sure a team would have picked him up by now, no question. And he might not even be available. The 49ers probably would have just kept him. Um, so that, that part is true. I understand that there is a perception that his skills have diminished significantly. 
But still, not 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 even though his skills may have diminished, he's still better than a lot of the guys. I'd probably argue all of the guys that have been signed to be backup types uh, in this offseason. I mean, Josh McCown, really? Ryan Fitzpatrick, really? Matt Barkley? Brian Hoyer? I mean, come on. Come on, please. Stop. All right, moving on. So brace yourselves. Uh, (laughs) The Knicks hired a general manager, this guy Scott Perry, um, formerly of the Kings, although he was there for about four seconds, um, had a stint with the Magic that didn't go well, but prior to that had a stint with the Pistons uh, in the early aughts where the Pistons were a very good team and is generally highly thought of in league circles. Um, I mean, even the Daily News and Frank Isola, who basically make a living killing the Knicks, and rightfully so, even they had positive things to say about this decision because the guy's a basketball guy. Now, look, GMs are going to have pluses and minuses on their ledger, particularly if you have a long career. That's going to happen, right? I like Donnie Walsh very much when he was here at, at, as, as the Knicks GM. You know, he also drafted Jordan Hill instead of Ty Lawson when the Knicks needed a point guard. It was a terrible decision, Right. You could argue whether or not Gallinari was a good pick. I mean, I think he was, but, you know. And then I can't get mad at Donnie Walsh for trading Gallinari and Wilson Chandler and half the team for Carmelo because we all know that was Dolan. But my point is you're going to have some hits and you're going to have some misses. But Scott Perry seems to be a very thoughtful, well-respected basketball guy. So amazingly, the Knicks look like they've actually gotten a basketball guy as their GM. Now, they've gone about this in, of course, very Nick-like fashion, very strange, right? They fired Phil Jackson after the draft. Now Steve Mills has come out and said, well, you know, I would have probably drafted uh, Nicolina there at eight anyway. Um, You know, listen, it's early and it's summer league, but this has Frederick Weiss, Ron Artest written all over it. Dennis Smith Jr., the super athletic point guard, from NC State, who, you know, was off the Knicks board because he wasn't a triangle guy, lit it up in the summer league and impressed everybody. And Nicolina, of course, hurt his knee in the last game of the Euro Championship in France and couldn't even play in the summer league. So we have no idea what this kid looks like. But there's no question that Dennis Smith Jr. is much more ready, NBA ready now, uh, than Nicolina is. No, there's no question. So... Hopefully it doesn't turn into a, a, a Frederick Weiss, Ron Artest situation. You know, infamously, the Knicks passed on Ron Artest, local kid, St. John's, to draft the seven-foot Frenchman, Frederick Weiss, who's, you know, unfortunately, is, you know, his claim to fame is he got dunked on by Vince Carter in the Olympics and never even played a game for the Knicks. And Ron Artest went on to have a very good NBA career, despite all his, his wackiness and his shenanigans. So, but maybe the Knicks are actually being grown-ups now. I mean, they held, they held a press conference uh, to introduce Perry. Uh, he was impressive. And um, then they, there was reports now that the Knicks kind of want, maybe they want Mello back. You know, they're, they're in heavy talks with the Rockets to trade Mello there. Mello wants to go to the Rockets. He's waived his no-trade clause. He's agreed to go to the Rockets. Uh, so he can go play with his buddy Chris Paul and team up with James Harden and, you know, 
Clint Capella, and that'd be a pretty good team. Bit ironic, though, that D'Antoni's the coach who Melo, you know, basically drove out of town. But in any event, I think Melo finally has realized that if he wants to get a championship, this is his best path, is to be, you know, the third wheel, basically, the third banana on a really good team where he can just do his thing, which is score. I mean, he could basically be a 6'8 version of Vinnie Johnson. The old, you know, I'm, I'm going back a ways, but remember him? The microwave, third guard on those great Pistons teams in the 90s? I mean, that, that's the role Melo's best suited for now. So, in any event, the Knicks, basically, there was some, some, some question as to whether or not they want him to stay. No, they don't want him to stay. They just kind of hit the pause button now that they've got the new GM in place. And they're still working to try to get Melo to the Rockets. Rightfully, the Knicks don't want to take back Ryan Anderson and his $60 million over the next three-year contract. So they're trying to involve a third team or a fourth team even. There's talk that maybe they can get Portland involved. The Knicks can get Mo Harkless, another St. John's product, by the way. That'd be great. But it seems that the Knicks have finally realized that they need to rebuild this thing and just go with young athletic players. Now, people are killing them on the Hardaway contract. And I, I was kind of in that camp, too. To be fair, at least he's 25. Now, he might be getting overpaid, but you know what? If he averages 18 points a game next year as a two-guard, that's the going rate for a starting two-guard. Hell, Courtney Lee is getting $11 million a year, and he stinks. I mean, he started for the Knicks last year only because the Knicks are terrible. It was a terrible move by Phil Jackson. But if you have a young, athletic 6'6", you know, shooting guard averages 16, 18 points a game and five rebounds and two, three assists. That's that, 17 mil a year is the going rate for these guys. So it's not the worst thing in hindsight when I actually examine that deal. So, you know, look, the Knicks, but they, they were smart. Instead of saying, you know, basically uh, what Phil Jackson said is we, he's got to go. They said, listen. We're going to have a young athletic team either with Mello or without Mello. And Mello will either be here and be a good mentor or he won't be here. But either way, we're comfortable. I mean, just a very smart adult thing to say. Now, it's basically lip service. We all know that. But that's fine. That's what you do. You don't bash guys publicly like that moron Phil Jackson. And I know he gets to ride off into the sunset now and kick his feet up and tweet out pictures of himself with his feet up and the 12, you know, the $60 million he essentially stole from James Dolan. But see, this is where, again, you got to sort of look at this with a jaundiced eye because Dolan, <laughs> like the Knicks look like grownups now, Steve Mills, okay. I mean, I, again, his track record isn't great. But if he's going to let this guy, Scott Perry, actually do his job and kind of stay out of the way, that'd be interesting. At least that's how normal teams operate. But Dolan. (laughs) I mean, that's the thing. But Dolan, you never know. I mean, you just, you never know. So it's hard to be optimistic as long as that guy owns the team. But you got to think, I mean, look, Steve Mills went to Princeton. I mean, you got to think he, he has a brain in his head. He's got to see that what's been, what the Knicks have been doing for literally the last 
uh, 17 years has not been working. So maybe, you know, look, I think, again, it's encouraging that they hired a guy. I mean, I never heard of him. Of course, my first reaction was, oh, let's, that's great. Don't hire somebody from San Antonio. Hire somebody from Sacramento, the exact opposite. But he was literally brought in early in the offseason to Sacramento and is credited with, you know, drafting uh, the Fox kid from Kentucky. Uh, they signed a couple of veterans, which I didn't th- I think makes no sense in Zach Randolph and um, George Hill. Not that they're not good players. They are, but thought, you know, Sacramento should kind of be rebuilding. Now, their their argument is that, well, these guys are good veteran leaders and we brought them in to, to help sort of transition. And that, that could be true. You know, there, there is some merit in that. I mean, there is merit. And if you're going to have a really young team, at least having a couple of veterans that show the young guys how you go about your business every day and set a good example. And by all accounts, George Hill and Zach Randolph are those types of players. So, okay, I can buy that. And apparently he he was part of that too. So, listen, maybe there's a glimmer of hope for the Knicks. And again, this myth that New York fans won't abide a teardown and a rebuild is, is just that. I will watch the Knicks next year. If they're giving me a starting lineup, let's just say they throw this kid Nicolina to the Wolves. Or even Ron Baker, who they re-sign. Um, the undrafted free agent out of Wichita State last year. Maybe uh, maybe they have him and Hardaway in the backcourt. And let's just say you know they make some sort of deal. Mello's out of here. And they start, um, let's just say it's Mo Harkless and Hernan Gomez and Porzingis. Is that just, and that's your starting five. Okay. I'll watch that. I don't care about the results. I want to watch those guys get better. And thank God the dopey triangle is gone. And we'll see if Hornacek can coach. That's fine. Same thing with the Mets, by the way. Get these guys out of here. Put Rosario at shortstop. Put Dom Smith at first. Play Conforto in center field every day for the rest of the year. Play Flores at either second or third every day. Because the Mets, by the way, need a second baseman and a third baseman for next year. So, uh... Put him at one of those two and let him play every day and see if maybe he can be the answer. They're already giving Darno the line share of the cash and duties. Fine. See if he can earn his way uh, back for next year. And let's go. All right, we'll take a short break and we'll be back to wrap it up right after this. And we are back. The Amagansett edition of Jamal About Sports taking us back from the break. They might be giants with Ann and Ang. So finally, we are going to leave you with the new segment on the show called Ad Nauseam, where I break down a couple of commercials uh, and why they're terrible. Because <laughs> most commercials, unfortunately, today are horrendous. Uh, so we've got a little competition going for most annoying 
uh, car or car-related pitch man uh, that on commercials that are incessant. I mean, if you watch any sporting event, you will see these commercials nonstop. And the first one is there's some – I guess there's an app to help one buy a car called True Car. And the pitch man for it is this sort of chubby – uh, sort of hipster, but he, you could tell he's well-dressed. He's got a beard, of course. He has to have a beard. But it's not a big, bushy, James Harden kind of beard. It's a little bit more well-kempt, but it's, it's it's a pretty thick beard nonetheless because, you know, all hipsters have to have beards. But, you know, he's kind of well-dressed. He's not, like, wearing a T-shirt. He's got, like, a cable-knit sweater on with the toggles. And, you know, he's um, you know he's got a button-down shirt on. You know, he's probably wearing sneakers, though, of course. And, you know, the thing about this guy is he's really into this car, but he's not sure if he's going to pay the right price. See, because that's that's the vernacular now that people use. He's really into the car. He doesn't like the car. Or he doesn't love the car. He's really into the car. Okay? He's, he's, he's a hipster yuppie, or a yipster, if you will. And he needs to be punched in the face immediately. So annoying. And what I'd like to see is him in a death match with... Another guy, of course, with the beard, who does the Chevy, uh, I believe, it, well, it's for all their lines, I believe, uh, these focus groups, where he's got a tiny, sort of teeny voice like this, and what if I told you, and he's, you know, they, they, they take the logo away, and then, you know, I'm supposed to believe that, you know, the Chevy Malibu is as good a car as a BMW or some other nonsense like this, ridiculous, but he's got a high, teeny voice, of course, another guy with the beard, they also do it with the trucks, it's ridiculous. It's so annoying. So I'd really like to see a, ste- a like old school wrestling steel cage death match between the Chevy guy and the true car guy. All right. That is it. Thanks as always for listening. We'll be back next week with another edition of Jamal about sports. Check me out on Twitter at, at Jamal about sport. I'm on iTunes. Thanks for listening and peace out.